This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. On this episode of Inside Supercars, we go 100 miles. Uh, you're pretty, uh, you are pretty focused. I mean, the, the terrain is is pretty rocky up there at points, and it was pretty slippery with the rain. So you're sort of pretty focused on on where you're going. But there were some really beautiful places. Uh, that we ran on, like especially in the on the backside of the the Threadboat Hills, there, sort of towards uh, Charlotte's Pass and Perisher. There, like there are some you know amazing trails. Macaulay Jones talks about his experience in the 100 mile cross country run that he did just a, a few weeks ago, and it starts now. Well, whilst many of us are winding down for Christmas and supercar drivers are heading to all points of the compass, Macaulay Jones last weekend went out and did a 100-mile race. Macaulay, thanks for joining us. How was the experience of doing a 100-mile race up in the uh, Snowy Mountains? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I... um yeah, I'm feeling uh, surprisingly a lot better than I expected, which is which is really good. I mean, it's uh, it was a hundred miles of trail running through, like you said, started at Threadbow, went to uh, the summit of Kosciuszko, down to Jindabyne, and back up to Threadbow. So it was uh, it was definitely a long journey. It was a very long day uh, with some pretty pretty tricky uh, climate, I guess. I mean, up up there in the altitude. You know the sun sort of hits pretty differently, and it has a lot of bite to it. And on the sort of backside of the mountains, there it got to like thirty degrees during the middle of the day, and then it would it bucketed down with rain, and then uh, came out the sun again, and then thunderstorms to finish the day. So it was a bit of a mixed day, but uh, it surprisingly went really fast. And for the fact that you had the hundred miles to run i was fascinated that over the 20 hours there was 13 points along the way where you were able to get some food and and uh, replenish what i imagine was some very dwindling energy reserves uh yeah it was uh yeah so there's 13 checkpoints over the day and i think i spent a total of 20 minutes at them and so collectively so almost you know, less than two minutes at a, at each aid station. So that uh, that pretty much just let me time to to get a drink. Uh, we changed shoes at one point, um, and then uh, I had the crew there really just sort of handing me whatever I needed. But I actually ate no solids over the day, just pretty much on on uh, carb drinks and and gels, which was always a bit of an unknown when you're when you're running for that long. It's almost a a race of just trying to get as much food in as possible um, and that kind of keeps your energy levels consistent and so being able to have a pretty strong stomach I would say I was able to get a lot of food in which then made the day roll along really well. So 
I was listening to an interview with Steve Monaghetti this week and he talked about some of the practices he had for marathons where he'd eat almost, I think, no carbs in the first half of the week before he ran a marathon and then only ate carbs in the second half. Did you have something like that that you were doing to prepare yourself? No, not really. I uh, I kept it pretty simple, to be honest. I, I ate a pretty large amount of food in the lead up, uh, in, the, in the sort of three days leading up, um, but it kept pretty active, which I felt was pretty necessary for what I was doing. And then it's kind of hard to uh, to prep for something that's a bit more of an unknown. I mean, Steve, he's, he's had a lot of practice and um, and being lighter in, in his kind of events is a big thing. But for me, trying to have enough stores for, for 20 hours of running and, and trying to keep that consistency uh, was, was key. I mean, when, you know, there's a bit of walking when you, or hiking when you're getting up to some of the hills. I mean, some of the hills are just too steep that you, you just couldn't possibly run them no matter how far you were running. So there was a, yeah, just a lot of unknowns for me. So I tried to keep it as super simple as possible. And uh, really the biggest worry going into it was, you know, whether the body was going to hold up and whether you were going to be able to keep your nutrition down. So you finished in 20 hours. The organisers were thinking the first runners might be coming in just over 14 hours. Is that how it panned out? No, not not even close. Uh, the leader uh, was I, I was just over, under an hour um, longer than the than the leader, so end up in fourth place, which was a huge surprise. But because of the conditions of the day being sort of thirty degrees and then raining and then uh, back to sort of thirty degrees in different parts of it, um, and then the final, the, honestly, the, the last four hours it just rained and rained. So. The uh, the conditions were a lot different to the previous year, which the which the leader was fifteen hours, and so uh, with the course change and and the different conditions made it a, a lot slower, and uh, and so the predictions there I think was a uh, was a little bit off, definitely. <laughs> it um, sounds like it. Yeah. So yeah. you finish fourth, which means that you get free entry into next year's event. Yeah, which I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm I'm actually going to enter for for next year. I think uh, I think I need a bit of a break from doing that amount of training in, in a year and, and trying to manage it around the racing series. So, I mean, I actually felt like I I uh, did a really good job with that. I work with a run coach who who kind of knows all my schedule. He sets my training, and so I don't really have to think about it. And and you know the the training load during the week. You know, I've probably had my biggest week of maybe 13 or 14 hours of running um, scattered across the week. So it's, you know, mostly just one hour of running a day and then and then some long runs on the weekend. So you were trying to manage that throughout the season. Um, and and so, you know, I had as big a weeks as 120 kilometer running in the week. And then any race weekend, I would do about 20 or 30. So that sort of meant that I was pretty fresh going into into the race weekends and and like I said, the uh, the intensity of the actual training program isn't a whole lot. It's just the consistent volume, which is what we were trying to work on. Now, they did allow paces or pacing runners as companions in the race. Did you have anyone undertaking that role with you? Yeah, I did, actually. I picked up uh, who is, is Harry, who is actually one of the number one mechanic on the middies car. We do a lot of running together. 
um, throughout the year. And, and so I, he, uh, signed him up to be a pacer and he did the last 50 kilometers with me actually home. Uh, so I picked him up, I think, uh, what was 14 hours into the run at 117 Ks. Uh, and so I wanted him to run me through through the night pretty much so that that way I didn't I didn't get lost or I didn't take the the wrong way or I didn't fall over and hurt myself and and be stranded by myself so uh that's a bit of a precautionary sort of thing to have a pacer and and then uh there's some pretty lonely kilometers out there as well so it was kind of nice just to have someone to talk to it's a beautiful part of the world. At any point, did you get to look around the environment you're in or was it just focusing on left foot, right foot? Uh, you're pretty, uh, you are pretty focused. I mean, the, the terrain is, is pretty rocky up there at points and it was pretty slippery with the rain. So you're sort of pretty focused on, on where you're going, but there were some really beautiful places uh, that we ran on, like especially in the, on the backside of the, the Threadboat Hills there, sort of towards... Uh, Charlotte's Pass and Perisher there like there are some you know amazing trails that we're running through and it's very exposed on that side so being able to see you know what felt like hundreds of kilometers of just mountains it was it was really cool. And I'm fascinated because we we have spoken before about your uh, Guinness Book of Records burpees uh, achievement and now a, a hundred mile run. You must get this from your mum because I don't ever remember your dad being that much into fitness. No, I think uh, I definitely got some of it from my mum. I mean, my dad used to do a bit of fitness when he was racing, but as soon as that stopped, he uh, definitely hasn't touched his his cycling bike or or gone to the gym since. But it's a it's a bit of a funny one. I mean, I was a I was a part of the Cam Rising Star when I was in. Formula Ford or when I was starting Formula Ford and, and uh, they took us to the AIS in Canberra for a week and they we did a lot of training and we we sort of learned about nutrition and, and that kind of kick-started it for me. I was honestly never had probably never been into a gym before that and, and honestly it was like a light switch for me and, and uh, you know, they sort of talked about the benefits of fitness and, and nutrition and how it could help with my racing and, and then I just sort of went all in on that and uh, you know, I definitely probably had a diet closer to Brad's than uh, than my mum's at that time, which I'm not sure if you know, but it's it's not great diet. Um, and then I came back from that race uh, from from that camp, and um, you know, I pretty much didn't eat uh, the same again ever since. It's fascinating how those moments can just you know sliding doors moments. I think they are called, and yeah. change your tra- trajectory completely. Yeah, massively. And it became, you know, a bit of a passion for me to find ways to challenge myself as well. Uh, I mean, I think it's I think it's really good to have goals outside of, of your racing as well. I mean, I think sometimes you can overthink a lot about uh, the race season and, and lose sleep, but it's kind of nice to have a bit of a distraction away from it as well. And, and uh, the running for me is almost like a bit of a meditation as well. You know, I can kind of just get out outside and, uh, and tune out out of the world for a little bit which is which is kind of nice and then you know i just tried to tie in this goal although 100 miles is is you know a very you know a massive massive goal to have but you know whether it's you know whether it's someone doing a five kilometer park run or or you know getting out there with the kids i think i think you know that's kind of what i hope to inspire some people to be able to do because i think there's a huge benefits in in looking after your body and and your mind well 
you, we've also seen with uh, supercar drivers before getting into the ultra triathlons and and doing all those those things. Uh, I'm thinking Cameron Conville and Paul Dumbrell and those guys. They've always had those other interests in in that more extreme, let's say, end of uh, of the sport. Yeah, there definitely has been quite a lot. I mean, I remember I always was a big fan of Mark Webber and and he was massive into his fitness and, and he actually had his own endurance event that he hosted in Tasmania and, and uh, I can always remember Jimmy Johnson was, was massive in triathlon and, and Jensen Button and stuff and so sort of drew from those guys a bit and, and really dove in deep and found something that I really enjoyed. I mean, if for me it's not really a grind to be training a whole lot. I really enjoy it and, um, you know, get the endorphins going as well. So, you know, there's definitely worse habits you could probably have. I think I've probably got a few of them. Macca, at the end of the year is a big way to finish the year, but how do you sum up your 2023? In the yeah, supercar, I, I should say. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it had its challenges for sure. I mean, I actually really enjoyed the season. I had a new engineer for, for the 2023 season with Andrew Donnelly, and he's uh, it's his first time running a car. He's been a BGR for a, for a a number of years now straight from uni to to work with us and and he's you know a really close mate and that's been really enjoyable working with him and and you know building our relationship as as well and and trying to get ahead around the new gen 3 car i mean i feel like you know bjr came out the gate pretty well and we lost a little bit of form there especially in qualifying which we sort of left scratching our head a little bit about and Hopefully, over the off-season, we can come up with some ideas and have that pre-season testing to really, you know, hit home and, and try and decipher what uh, the qualifying speed is going to be like and, and how we can improve on that because that's definitely a way that we're struggling a little bit and that's setting up our races. I feel like the race the race car, we have very fast race cars and, and that's really good, but when you're not qualifying where you feel like you, you, you're able to race, it makes it yeah, very difficult. It is interesting that even with the Gen Three car, it still was a qualifying series. If you, if yeah, with possibly with the exception of Shane, but um, if you didn't qualify up the front, the best race car in the world wasn't getting you through the traffic. No, it's a it's a funny one. I mean, the the less aero, I feel like, has improved our racing for sure. But uh, you know, there still needs to be some tweaks. I feel like. You know, in the first year, you're trying to work out what tyre compounds are going to be the best. I mean, at times we were having to be pretty conservative on the tyre. And so that sort of stopped people racing super hard because as soon as you took a little bit out of it, it uh, you really suffered in that back half of the stint. And, and so you, you were trying to be too conservative at times just to make them last throughout the stint and, and see where you would unfold there. You know, you would almost you'd almost bank on trying to pass them later in the stint than you would at the start. And, and that was, you know, an interesting way for it to all unfold. Uh, so it'd be interesting to, for, for them next year, I mean, probably see if they get any, any more aero tweaks to after the wind tunnel testing, which was, you know, a really cool thing for supercars to go do and, and hats off to them for, you know, forking out the, the massive expense it is to to get cars over there and and really get the the right data which is you know i think it's really cool for the sport and and it'll be good uh, heading into next year sort of not having those question marks uh, which will be nice as a driver and you're in a 
a different position to some of the drivers where it's the family business, so you, you, you're sort of completely ingrained in it. But did the outside chatter of parody ever bother you? Um, I wouldn't say it bothered me. I don't think it affected my day-to-day thing. But, uh, you know, I, like you said, I'm, I'm pretty well involved. And, and, you know, Brad, my dad, has, has been on the commission and the board of supercars. And, and, you know, so he's got a huge history and, and he's sort of teaching me ways of how the business works and stuff. And that's that's been interesting. But I definitely don't let it bother me. But I know it's it's not as simple as, as I think what, some people seem to make it out to be. I mean, you know, there's a lot of politics involved, which is, you know, part of every sport, but it's definitely a part of, of the sport at the moment. And you, you're trying to make everyone happy, but it, it's not always the easiest thing to do. You can't, you know, you can't do drastic changes throughout the year and have massive swings going on. So you're trying to just tweak it and, and improve the sport. I mean, I feel like some of the racing over the year has actually been, you know, really good watching back. You know the races over over the season. It's it's been really exciting. You know there's been some good battles, and and hopefully next year is is no different. We have even better racing. Certainly, it was the improvement on watching any Formula One race this year. <laughs> yeah, I'm not actually sure. I sat down to watch any uh, any Formula One race. I watched the start of a few, but that's it's not my style of racing, to be honest. Like I'm a big IndyCar fan. I think their racing is is really cool. I, I don't mind the push to pass, but the DRS me is just it makes it a bit fabricated i think it's it's almost frustrating to watch someone pass someone in a straight line and then just pull back in and and the commentators be you know going absolutely excited for it it doesn't excite me at all to be honest mm. well maca i hope you have a great christmas i hope the recovery as well you you are a man that normally sets goals so do you have your 2024 goal planned or or working on one I'm sort of still working on that one at the moment. I'm sort of just in the review of, of the, the current season and, and how it's all unfolding. I mean, I haven't had much time since the, the last round to really sit down, uh, to be honest. So I'm, uh, I'm sitting down with my engineer next week and, and we're going to go through the, you know, the post-season and, and what, we, what we thought worked, what didn't and what we need to improve on. And, and then we'll, we'll look at some goals uh, a little bit earlier next year when we've sort of had a break and and reset well Maka have a great Christmas and we look forward to seeing you again in 2024 thank you I appreciate the Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device search Inside Supercars the views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.